Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. These two were faithful slaves of the Lord during their entire Christian lives and have become patterns to us of ones that counted all things lost on account of Christ. Witness Lee completed his most comprehensive work called the Life Study of the Bible just before going to be with the Lord in 1997. This program combines short excerpts from his original speaking, along with some of our own comments and fellowship. And as always, we'd like to hear from you with your thoughts or answer any questions that might arise while you're listening. We'll repeat this contact information at the end of the program, but if you have a pen right now, jot down our toll-free number, which is 888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. Or you can reach us by email to radio at lsm.org. Now, let's join today's program. God's people Israel spent 40 years journeying through the wilderness of Sinai on their way from Egypt to Canaan, the good land. In a sense, they camped out for those years in tents that could be easily transported as they moved about. The God of their fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, joined them on this journey, joining them to such an extent that he too took a tent for a dwelling. This tent is called the tabernacle. It is mysterious, yet a marvelous type of Christ and the church. This is Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program furnished by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. We return again today to the book of Exodus, and Francis Ball has joined us as we again join the children of Israel in the wilderness, God's people wandering there, Francis, uh, in the book of Exodus. Welcome back to the program. Thank you. Very good to be able to... Go with you on this journey. <laughs> well, you have to have a tent, I think, to go along today, Francis. Surely do. We've had 14 programs, Francis, since we rejoined the Life Study of Exodus. And they've all dealt with the different articles, the various items that Jehovah ordained to furnish the two inner chambers of the tabernacle. Thus far, we've looked at the Ark of the Testimony and the Holy of Holies. And more recently now, the showbread table, or the table of the bread of the presence, and the golden lampstand that were both in the holy place. Now today, we want to begin to look at the details of the actual structure, the tabernacle itself, its dimensions, and the materials used in its construction. We're really seeing that when properly opened up, these details are utterly marvelous in what they portray of the riches of Christ, aren't they? It's marvelous. I think that's a good word. This picture of Christ, and as you said, also of the church, is just beyond anyone's imagination. This is something that was in the Bible, and people have enjoyed reading it concerning the tabernacle. It was one of my favorite uh, portions to get into, but I just have to admit that what is brought out in these messages far exceeds anything that I could have imagined or that I heard from others until this ministry brought these things to light. There are so many items here that are so practical in our experience the uh, table of showbread or the table of his presence, the bread of his presence. This was really a, a marvelous view to see that here we get fed and our conduct gets dealt with. And that brings you to the light of the lampstand. I really enjoyed that. The lampstand is so mysterious and yet so real, depicting the triune God. 
and then to be brought on into the Holy of Holies, where the ark is. And that's a real picture of Christ. All these things have been so wonderful, but I'm anxious to get to this part now that we're going to hear today about the uh, layers of the covering of the tabernacle. Well, Francis, fundamentally, the tabernacle, for those who maybe haven't spent as much time getting into it in the past but are being uh, intrigued by what they're hearing day by day, basically, fundamentally, the tabernacle was a tent. In fact, that's another translation for the very word is tent. And we're going to see that the children of Israel were dwelling in tents, following the Lord day by day, and there the Lord was also dwelling in a tent among them. Let's join Witness Lee. We come to the tabernacle. Have you noticed that in verse 1, it says, You shall make the tabernacle. In verse 6, the last verse of this little section, it also says, And the tabernacle shall be what? The word tabernacle is used by translators for the tabernacle. I have 40 different English versions of the Bible. Probably one or two versions do use the word tent. Actually, the tabernacle is just a tent. I use today's modern expression for camping. What is needed in camping? Just the tent. The word tabernacle really means the tent. And it is used specifically by the Bible translators for the tabernacle. Actually, it is a tent. We all know a tent means a kind of a dwelling place not settled for overnight maybe. The longest made for one week. It is something portable, something movable, and this is why According to the record of the Bible, the tabernacle or God's tent doesn't have any floor because it is movable. Just like you go camping and you set up your tents, you don't have any kind of a foundation, do you? For all those shorter years, you know, the children of Israel, they were camping. They were camping in the wilderness. And God was camping there with them. The only thing, God's tent was a little bigger uh, than their tents. And their tents were uh, erected or set up just around the tent of God, God's tabernacle. If you uh, have ever read Numbers, the first few chapters, you could see all together, twelve tribes, and three tribes camped on the north side, three tribes camped on the south side, another three on the uh, west, and then another three on the east. You see, four sides of three tribes each. All together, twelve tribes camping around God's camp. It's quite meaningful. What we are touching is the real tent. That is the tabernacle. Well, Francis, as we begin to focus on the tabernacle itself, I think the first thing that we should take note of is just what kind of structure the tabernacle was. 
The children of Israel traveling through the wilderness on their way to Canaan, as Witness Lee said, in a sense, were camping, camping out, living in tents. It is interesting, isn't it, Francis, that the Lord also was willing to become a tent dweller. Yes, it is wonderful, and it's also what's spoken more clearly and plainly in uh, John chapter 1, where it says, The Word, which is Christ himself, became flesh and tabernacled among us. Not every translation uses the word tabernacle, but it is the verb form of the same word, and it means that he dwelt among us. So he loved to dwell among his people. And this is a clear picture of this. With Israel, his people on the earth, he wanted to dwell among them. And that uh, tent that he dwelt in was larger than the other tents, but all the other tents of all the children of Israel were round about that tent called the tabernacle. And that was God's dwelling place among his people. It's really marvelous that he would choose to dwell in that way to be among his people. I was thinking about Paul's word in Corinthians where he reminded them that the spiritual rock had followed you. We really see a very mobile, portable Christ in these pictures of the Old Testament, don't we? That's right. For 40 years, he was right in the midst of his people, among them. Well, we want him in our midst and among us in a a very real and practical way. As you pointed out, this is not just Bible knowledge or Bible study in the traditional sense of the word. In a sense, we are certainly studying these things. But the rich practical application in our experience of this living Christ dwelling among his people today is what we're really after. Amen. Well, let's go back to Witness Lee. We saw as we looked at these items of furniture that all of the details, even their dimensions, were significant. And the same is the case when we get into the tabernacle itself. That's where we're going in this next section. Let's go back to Witness Lee. What we will cover is just actually one of four layers of the covering of the tabernacle. Not the entire tabernacle, just the covering. And the covering is of four layers. We are just on the first layer, from within, not from without. Okay, before we go on, I must give you a little word concerning three measurements. You have one measurement this way, another measurement this way, another measurement that way. The third way, at the rear, it has ten cubits. You have to know ten is a number for completion and perfection of man. It's human perfection, human completion. Look at how many fingers you have. Ten. And how many toes you have. Ten. Ten is a human number for human perfection. Suppose you have only four fingers on this hand, and five on the other, you have nine. What is that? That is what? That is a kind of a defect. No perfection, no completion. Now you understand why God gave man ten commandments. That is for man's perfection, for man's completion. God didn't give man nine commandments, or eleven commandments, or twelve, but ten. So, these... Tent, the first layer, uh, four layers, the first layer typifies Christ's humanity, typifies Christ as a man. He is the man here. Ten, signified by ten. 
a man in perfection, a man in completion. With him, there's no defect, no bias. He's perfect. He's complete. He's such a man. When he was on this earth, you look at the record of the four Gospels. You could see a man there, perfect, complete. And all the time you saw or you see, he is a man. But the expression is in resurrection. Okay, the first letter is fine women. These, according to Revelation, means the righteous conduct. Fine women signifies Christ. His righteous conduct. Then you have to find the fine quality signifies the evenness. His conduct is altogether not coarse. Many times our conduct are too tough. And twine, twine means what? Strengthened by being treated. So it is not loose. You know, our conduct, new timing, never dealt with, never treated. Some say the Bible is not trustworthy, especially the four Gospels, because the four Gospels telling people a person too fine and too perfect and too complete, and this that there could never be such a person. No human mentality could compose a book like the four Gospels. Why? Because in the four Gospels, these four books show us a man so fine. Human mentality can never dream of such a thing. No need to say human mentality doesn't have the wisdom to compose such a, a kind of writing. Even, you cannot dream. He's so far. Now you have to read. You go back to read the four Gospels. You see the Lord Jesus. He's really far. He does everything in a limit. He has never stepped over anything. He's all the time restricted. He's all the time self-controlling. He's all the time fine. Not one beat of coarseness you can find out in his biography. Well, Brother Francis, after spending nearly three weeks looking at the details of these items of furniture within the tabernacle, I think that we're all impressed by now that all of the details, even including the measurements, the materials used, they were all meaningful as we look at the picture. Let's talk now about the significance uh, of the dimension and the number 10 that shows up in the tabernacle and in its covering, and also the fine linen that was used for the curtains that covered the tabernacle. We just heard that the record of the four Gospels is such a picture. How do we see the linen and the number 10 in the Gospels? Well, again, I say that this is a marvelous picture. Without this picture, it would be hard for us to see the details that are really in the Gospels, because the Gospels really are a picture of the Lord Jesus 
as uh, God manifested on the earth. But the dimensions that are in the uh, tabernacle itself and the materials that are used give you a lot of details about this marvelous one that's pictured in the Gospels. Each Gospel has a particular emphasis concerning Christ, and the details of those things could not be seen so clearly without this vision that's in the tabernacle. For that reason, we need to study the details of the tabernacle. You mentioned the number 10. That's very significant. It's very important we realize how this number is used in the Bible. Of course, we know we have Ten Commandments, and uh, those Ten Commandments are in two parts, two tablets, five and five. And everything, it seems, that the Lord does to show the completeness of what He's doing uses the number ten. So this number ten here is the ten curtains of the fine linen. This typifies Christ in His fine humanity. And uh, you see how wonderful He is as the details of this curtain are put together, how there's two sets of curtains that are really bound together and showing how even he is in everything. His humanity is just beyond description in a way because uh, some have said, how could there be such a person as Jesus, Jesus Christ? There's no such person. But there is such a person. And this wonderful person is so perfect in all that he is, so fine. The fine linen depicts this wonderful person. So uh, that and the number 10, you just mentioned these two items, they're very significant in unfolding the mystery in this book. The, uh, the length of the curtains, the breadth of the curtains, how they're put together in two groups, all of these uh, things have a very big significance to uh, the details of this wonderful person of Christ. Linen, for example, shows how fine he is. It's called fine linen. And there's nothing more fine than the humanity of Jesus. And also, it's twined. Fine and twined. Twined means that there's something uh, brought together, not loose. In other words, the humanity of Christ, there was nothing loose. The fine linen, so pure, but the twine means that there's nothing loose, nothing careless about him, nothing coarse and nothing uh, rough. Even uh, many of his disciples were rough, but the Lord Jesus was not rough. Even the Apostle Paul, you could say at least once or twice he got a little rough. But uh, the Lord Jesus was always so fine and gentle in what he did, and yet so exacting, so perfect in every way. So these curtains show us how wonderful he is in all the ways, and then the Gospels depict four different aspects of him that are really brought out in the curtains and in the embroidery work that's done there. Well, Francis, the curtains were made of, as you said, fine linen, pointing to his humanity. Of course, linen naturally is a kind of white color. In this final section, we're going to see that not only were they made of linen, but there were colors associated, and these colors were blue, purple, and scarlet. And they are also very significant. Let's find out now. Let's go back to Witness Lee. We all know linen, its natural color, is white. But here the linen becomes blue, signifying that the Lord Jesus' humanity, or as a man, is altogether heavenly. 
He lived on this earth, he walked on this earth, but he is not an earthly man. He is a heavenly man. Heavenly in nature and in appearance, as revealed in the Gospel of John. He used to tell people, I came from heaven. I'm the bread of life from heaven. This is fully revealed in John. The purple, that is a kingly color. He is kingly, both in position and in behavior. He was a little Nazarene. In the four Gospels, he behaved himself as what? A king. The Lord Jesus did act and behave as a king. And this is what? portrayed in the Gospel of Matthew. Then scarlet. Scarlet is dark red. Dark red always signifies two things. One is sin. Isaiah chapter 1 says, your sin is so strong, so heavy, so serious, just like dark red. Scarlet. And scarlet at the same time signifies shedding blood for the sin. That is redemption. So here, scholar signifies shedding blood for redemption of sin, as illustrated in the Gospel of Luke. Then, cherubim of the work of unborderly, they signify God's glory manifested in Jesus the man, as shown in the Gospel of Mark. He was not only man, he was a slave in Mark. But in this slave man, you see cherubim there. You see the glory of God manifest in cherubim. Later on, you will see in other books, cherubim are living creatures. Especially in Ezekiel, in these creatures, God's glory is seen. So this is God's glory manifest in the creatures. When Jesus was on this earth, he was a creature. He is a creature. Yet, upon him, God's glory is manifested. That is the charity. I'm glad that we have four Gospels to cover the four aspects of this man Jesus. Well, Francis, as we pointed out, the natural color of linen, of course, is white. But here in the tabernacle, the linen that covered the tabernacle was of blue, purple, and scarlet. Then, in addition, upon these linen curtains of blue, purple, and scarlet, the cherubim were embroidered. What's the significance of these details? And this, I think, uh, I just have to encourage all the listeners to write in and get these messages because they are so full of riches that we can't cover in a short program. But all these colors in this material are really quite significant. Blue, of course, that's a heavenly color. And that means he's a heavenly person. Christ is a heavenly man, and he's shown this in uh, the Gospel of John particularly. And also, you have the color purple. Purple, everyone knows, is a royal color. And certainly that has to do with Christ's kingliness. And he certainly is the king. This helps us to see what Matthew's talking about. 
as his kingly character and his kingdom also. Then there's the scarlet. Well, scarlet in the Bible depicts uh, not only sin. In Isaiah 1.18, it talks about, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. So scarlet is related to sin, but it also is related to the blood that was shed by Christ for sin and for our redemption. So these particular colors with the white linen really give you a detailed picture of this marvelous person, Jesus Christ. But not only that, there is the cherubim that were the fine work of embroidery work done by someone skilled in embroidering. God's glory is expressed in that work of embroidery that's done on those curtains. And the interesting thing is that it doesn't tell us how many and doesn't tell how big. And it's much like the cherubim that are on the propitiation cover in the Holy of Holies. It doesn't give you the dimensions of these cherubim either. It means His glory is immeasurable. So Christ is really the expression of God's glory, which is expression of God Himself in uh, all of His beauty. This wonderful man, Jesus Christ, is also God in all His glory. Francis, we pointed out that the dimensions are significant when there are dimensions. For example, the ark, as we talked about, was a cubit and a half in height, as was the showbread table. But also the lack of dimension is also significant, as you pointed out here. There was no description of how large the cherubim were, which implies this immeasurable aspect. Don't you love these details as they've been opened up for us? They certainly help us to appreciate the one who dwells in us. So the blue, scarlet, and red, and cherubim, we've got a heavenly, kingly, redeeming Christ in glory. What a picture, Francis. Amen. Glorious. Today for Francis Ball, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. Do you want to know the deeper truths of the Bible? Wish you could attend a Bible study but just don't have the time? Well, if you enjoyed this program, then we invite you to visit our website at lsmradio.com. From there, you'll find programs on every book of the Bible and all free of charge. These programs will not only give you a more profound understanding of the Scriptures, but also refresh and revitalize your daily Christian walk. From our website, you can download the MP3 files, stream them live, or subscribe to the podcast. Again, all free of charge. Once more, that website, lsmradio.com. Thanks for listening.